Welcome back to Always Evolving with me, Coach Mike. And my guest today, I would say he redefined a whole new category in self-help, really. It's true. I mean, he's written books that have the best titles and have really good material. His name's Mark Manson. You maybe heard of his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck or Everything's Fucked, a book about hope. He's been in the writing game a long time, so thanks for joining me, Mark. Good to be here. To put things in perspective for everyone, and everyone has seen that orange book that has hung out and been in every probably dorm room and table and an executive will even put it in their office to try to send a message you know, to people who walk in the room. Did you ever think it would end up being this big? No. I, I always tell people like, if you think your book's going to be this big, you're probably an asshole <laughs> because it's, um, you know, it, it's, I, when I describe it to people who aren't familiar with publishing, like it, it's like, it's kind of like the Avengers of publishing. Like you don't, there's no way to expect that. You know, you, it's maybe in your wildest dreams it happens, but, um, you certainly don't go into it. Yeah, like how many uh, of subtle art, how many millions have you sold? Uh, it's over 12 million now. Over 12 million books. And that is that include audio or that's just books? Uh, that includes audio. Um, it's in over 60 languages now. And I think it was number one in like 13 different countries or something. We just sold the Uzbek rights. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's going to be published in Uzbekistan next wow. month. So. <laughs> and so like, this is a game. That was a game changer for you. Yeah, it's complete life change. And it really, in my opinion, like I said, after your book, suddenly everyone was coming out with fucking shit books everywhere. Were you kind of one of the first books saying that? Uh, I actually think, I think there was one before me, but yeah, it was within a year, there was a whole shelf of them in the airport. There was. <laughs> Were you annoyed at all when you see all these books come out right out during that period of time? Yeah, a little bit, but you know, it's... Um, you know, they say that imitation is the highest form of flattery. Yeah. Um, but it, it was funny because it's, it's, uh, you know, for a while there, I would get the criticism of like, oh, you just sold a lot of books because you had fucking the title. And, and then eventually my response to that was like, no, 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 it's not the fucking on the cover that sells the books. It's the Mark Manson on the cover that sells the books. <laughs> just like, as like kind of a slap back in, in people's faces. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, a, there were a lot of imitations for the, about a year or two afterwards. Did you have in your mind that this was going to be in the self-help category? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was targeted. You know, it's funny, Mike. I, uh, it was very consciously targeted the way it was. And, and I wrote a book proposal kind of explaining how I wanted to write a self-help book for millennials. I wanted to write a self-help book for people who hate self-help, who think it's all bullshit. Um, (laughs) And I want, I want to try to kind of redefine the category. Now, keep in mind, I'm writing this book, like it's basically a sales pitch. And so I, I'm only kind of half believing what I'm writing. You know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to hype this up a little bit, get some editor somewhere excited about it. But that, that is really what ended up happening. And it even caught me by surprise. I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> this actually happened. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I'm, I've. It's so awesome it happened. I love it whenever um, something disrupts or breaks through. You know, everyone, um, and, and you seem to have a very um, 
a point of view that's fairly unshakable, right? Uh, in terms of like your messaging and how you put it. I also think you're, I mean, um, I, you're brilliant at titles. Like even with uh, Everything's Fucked, a book about hope, like you could make a fortune just coming up with titles. You're really good. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's a backup career. No, that's like that's like mega career. I'm like all these Apple, everyone would be hiring you. They'd be like, come out with a name for our next product. And the product's got to be solid, right? But it's it's more than a title. So in terms of your point of view and being in self-help and kind of why you think so many people have been attracted to you, what do you think you're saying that people really need to hear? Well, I, I think... I feel like the self-help industry, particularly of say the 80s, 90s, and early aughts, you know, it was like when I was growing up and I was reading the self-help books and watching the seminars and everything, everything was about, you know, positive thinking, believing in yourself, um, you know, manifesting your reality, law of attraction, all, all those sorts of things. And, you know, there is a lot of value in that stuff, but I you know, like a cynical millennial that I am, you know, by the time I hit 30, I started feeling like, you know, this is all a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> you know, like the world kind of sucks. Um, you know, the, even if you work really, really hard, sometimes things don't work out for you. Um, and you, you have to live, you have to find a way to live with that. And it, it's sometimes things do get worse. And, and that's, you have to accept that you can't mm. ignore that. And so I felt like there was very much a need in the industry for there to kind of be a correction, like a, a negativity correction on all kind of like the, the foo-foo positivity stuff. And that, that was initially my goal. I actually started, you know, started doing it with my blog in 2012, 2013. And, and that really became popular. And, and it was just, it was clear that there was this, a very large audience of people out there, particularly younger people who wanted to improve themselves, wanted to improve their lives. But they weren't really buying into the same the same tropes from hmm. twenty years before. I was handpicked by Dr. Phil. I had no intention of being on television. Two years ago, I met him. He asked me to go on an episode. Two days later, I went on an episode. Now I'm like on all the time. Done forty of them. He's yeah. like, you need to write a book. Like and before, I I worked with artists and creatives and. Like I didn't, I remember JLo posted a photo with me and I didn't even have Instagram back then. Like I didn't think about it. It wasn't even like, well, now I'm like, oh man, I would have like optically been so big or whatever. But, um, but I'm newly introduced kind of to this, I would say coaching self-help space, right? I found the coaching world to be a little bit like, uh, was it Best in Show, the movie with dogs? Yeah. Where... There's all these characters in it. And it's almost like, like I come from the background where if somebody's struggling with something, you don't try to score a package deal for them to pay you. You're like, do they need, what kind of therapist do they need or doctor? Like it's, it's not a financially driven thing that we're trained. And sure. I found in the coaching world, it's almost, it's very interesting because a lot of it is about that 
be happier, make more money. We're going to take you there. Power of positivity. You're, you know, like there's this conversation that exists yeah. and it seems like you're really outside of that. Right. Yeah. I, I, I openly encourage people to question that, you yeah. know, like if you are sitting around thinking, man, if I could just make more money, I'll be happy. That assumption itself is the problem. You know, it, you don't need some $4,000 seminar to go tell you how to make a bunch of money. Like that's not going to make you happy, dude. It's the, it's the assumption itself that is the problem. Uh, and so it's, it's really about just, it's questioning a lot of those assumptions and, and asking yourself, it's like, why do I feel like I need to have more money? Why do I even feel like I need to be happier? Mm. You know, why can't I be bummed out for a while? You know, there's something hard going on in my life. It's normal to be bummed out when something hard's going on in my life. You know, I, I think there's just a lot of these implicit unspoken assumptions that go along with kind of the typical self-help stuff. And and it really started to bother me. So I, I try to poke holes in it. What bothered you the most? Well, what, what you said, you, you alluded to it briefly and what you were saying was I, the more I learned. So early on when I, when I started developing an audience, I was like, oh shit, I need to like actually know what I'm talking about. So I, I, <laughs> I, spent, I started, you know, at this point I've spent many, many years like actually researching and reading papers and studies and psychology books and all this stuff and um and understanding kind of where my the boundary of my expertise ends yeah your art where your art form lives and breathes and what's appropriate and what's not totally because it's yeah. it's the the same way where it's like you know i don't know if you have like a brain hemorrhage you don't go to a nutritionist right you go to a brain doctor right so it's like if somebody has like severe schizophrenia like i'm not your guy you need to go to a psychiatrist, right? Yeah. But it's like we don't have that same kind of hierarchy of expertise in the the, the personal development self help world, you know. So it's you know people with legitimate mental health problems are getting pitched on spending their life savings on a seminar and given by somebody who has absolutely no mental health training whatsoever. And um, and to me, that's just a huge ethical problem period with the industry. Mm. And so it, it is getting better. Um, I do, I think, you know, particularly with like coaching certifications and, and stuff like that, like it is, there's, there's more, I guess, credentialism that's starting to happen. Um, but it's, to me, that's, that is a, a openly problematic thing about the industry and something that I am very outspoken about. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a treatment uh, and I'll, I'll email it to you. It's short. And it's based upon, uh, inspired by my life. And it's about uh, someone in the coaching industry and coming across all these different coaches and what happens. So I'll send it over to you. I'd be curious what you think. <laughs> you'll probably, you'll probably uh, get kind of what it is. Cause that, and I guess that's really what it's about, right? It's like when things bother you or you want to say something mm -hmm. and you feel uh, and this is across anything, really. It's like, how do you turn that frustration into inspiration? Or how do you turn that annoyance into um, doing something that's creative, right? Yeah. Because otherwise we sit on it and it sucks. After a while, it's like, I'm annoyed, I'm annoyed. And after a yeah. while, it just <laughs> starts to eat at you. So, like, where are you at in terms of, like, what you're creating now? You know, it, it's really interesting because... And by the way, your hair is amazing. 
Oh, like I know this is a podcast, you guys, but if you watch on Instagram or Facebook, his hair, like I wish I had that hair. <laughs> you know what's funny, man? I uh I originally, you know, so the pandemic started and my hair salon closed down. And so I couldn't get a haircut for like six months. And uh and then the hair started growing out, and and it turns out I've got this like luscious curly hair thing going. And my <laughs> wife is like, What the hell? Where did this come from? She's like, You were not cutting it, you were letting it grow. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just along for the ride. Did you uh, even put anything in it today? No, dude. I I mean, I'm literally just it's like uh what what are those weeds? A, a tum- it's like a beautiful tumbleweed on your head. <laughs> it's like it's amazing. I love it. I have to get a haircut every like five days. And if I don't get a haircut every five days, I look like father time. Like I just start wasting away. You just let it go. And it's, it's amazing. A beautiful tumbleweed. That, that is one of the best compliments I've gotten. <laughs> Good. So creatively, what are you currently working on? Um, you know, it, it, that's an interesting question. Cause it's, it's the, the massive success of the books is, is kind actually complicated that for a while like I, there was definitely a little bit of holy crap i sold 10 million books what am i like anything i do now is going to feel like paltry in comparison or whatever so these days i'm i'm actually I'm, i've been really in terms of just my like what's inspiring me mm. at the moment um i'm i'm like getting into a lot of philosophy um i don't know if it's the craziness of 2020 uh but it's I found myself kind of going back to like, you know, stuff you're supposed to read in college, but you know, I was too busy partying to actually. Like Descartes and like all that you're going. Yeah. Like I got really into Nietzsche last year. And then, you know, this year um, I've been reading like a lot of like the, about like existentialism and, and things like that. And I'm just really digging it. And so, you know, I've always kind of seen my role. Like what I do is I take a lot of very, complex psychological and philosophical ideas and i kind of like translate it down for into like consumable bites for people and so that that's kind of what's driving me these days and i I don't really know where it's going to take me but it's um i'm having a lot of fun with it so it's basically you're you're studying philosophy and having fun with philosophy but you're um like I saw a while back, you were like writing with Will Smith. Yeah. Or, and did that come to life or? Yeah. So weird thing with publishing timelines. So I, the book is already written. Um, so I'm, I'm Will Smith and I are co-writing his, his memoir. And I spent much of 2018 and early 2019 with him. Uh, just kind of traveling around with him, being mm-hmm. a fly on the wall talking to him a lot about his life and meeting his family and his team and everything. And, uh, it's built a book out of it. And so, um, actually just finished up the draft for that this summer. God, that's so different than what you've done too. It is, but it isn't, you know, I I thought it was kind of straight when they reached out, I thought it was kind of, I was like, well, this is odd. But then once I got to know him, it, I'm like, oh, it actually makes sense. Like he, he's very, uh, you know, one of the first things he told me is he said, I don't want this to just be like an autobiography. He said, I I want there, I don't want to just write my life. I want somebody who can like pull the lessons and like things that kind of define who I am and, and put that on the page. 
Um, so it's, I, I kind of describe it as like two third memoir and then like one third, like life lessons from Will Smith. Mm. And, um, and he is an incredibly impressive person. So it's, it was really a joy to just kind of like pick his brain for months at a time. Did you, did you have put a lot of pressure on yourself where you're like, Oh, well, it was weird at first. Um, I mean, it definitely took a, a few months to kind of get over the, like, oh my God, I'm sitting in a room with Will Smith and he's like telling me about his childhood. Like that's. Yeah, but you're <laughs> the Will Smith of like writing and self-help. Like, I, I, I guess so, right? Like, but, like, to be honest, I mean, respectfully, Will Smith can't sell as many books as you in self-help. <laughs> so you sell a lot more than him. But yes, in his lane, he's yeah. massive. Well, and it's, there's, there's a weird thing too, where I think when you grow up with somebody like there, it's, I lost my virginity watching men in black, like that mm. true story. And, and it's like, he was such a formative person for my generation in the nineties. He really gave you that encouragement during the movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I told him when I told him that I was like, yeah, man, it, you know, Tommy Lee Jones, right? That girl yeah. just get all hot and bothered. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, so there was a little bit of like a surreal, you know, I can't, I can't believe this is happening type of thing. But it, interestingly, it's like after that, um, it was kind of the opposite. It was actually like very little pressure. Um, part of it is just, he's great. He's like, I mean, he is who he is for a reason. So he's a very intuitive understanding of how to work with people, how to give you space, how to like not put pressure on you to kind of get the best out of you. Um, mm. But then it, it, in many ways it was, I found it easier because I, I find it's much harder to figure out if your own ideas are good or not than it is to like decide if somebody else's you're ideas so, are good or not. By the way, you're, you're so right. <laughs> you're so right. Like I got to tell you, so I have a book coming out December 29th called one decision. I'm going to send you a decision box. I'm sending out like a hundred okay. of these boxes. Right. And there's little, stuff that relates to the book. I push myself never to copy like ever, yeah. like to the point where like I drive myself crazy. So I'd random strangers showing up in my house off Facebook to try out all the things I'm doing in the book, but like yeah. just left to my own thinking. And even doing that, you're like one sentence. You can literally be like, is this true? Like, yeah. <laughs> is this really true? Or is this because uh, my parents got divorced and I'm a little like, yeah, uh, bothered about it or, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, and, and you, you go through this roller coaster where it's like when, when you're writing it, you're like, man, I am such a genius. I am killing this so hard. And then you wake up the next day and you look at it and you're like, oh my God, it's terrible. Nobody's going to read this. Nobody's going to like this, you know? And then it's two days later, you're like, no, 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 this is really, really good. You know, and it's just. It, it's it, it is an emotional roller coaster yeah and, uh, there's a lot of insecurity involved because so, you don't have that perspective but yeah with him it was just like i basically just sat down and listened to him for 20 or 30 hours and i was like that's gold that's gold we're gonna leave that out but that's that's great we'll keep that you know and so it was um it was more it was more like i was a curator of his ideas than mm. and so you you get you work with him and you're, you're putting out that product together 
And by the way, congrats. That's that's awesome when somebody seeks you out because they love your your style of writing. Yeah. What is your like ritual for writing? Meaning the ritual could have absolutely no sense to it at all. But like (laughs) if you were to look back at like when you feel not not based upon what other people think. Right. But when you feel like you're in your greatest flow, like. Are you indoors, outdoors, at your computer? Or are you like, what is it? For me, it's really, uh, it's, it's locking yourself in a room and hoping for the best. <laughs> I, I, I once told a friend of mine, I said, you know, the, I, the more I do this, the more I become convinced that there's not really such thing as inspiration. There's lack of distraction. Um, mm. You know, so for me, it's, I've got all like social media and everything. It's, it's all blocked on my work computer. I don't have access to it. Um, if I'm, if I'm working on a book or something, I leave the phone outside the office and I basically just shut myself in for three or four hours at a time. And some days I sit there and agonize and stare at a screensaver and, uh, you know, wonder what I'm doing with my life. And, and, you know, some days you come in and it, and it just pours out of you. And, um, what I've found is that, there's often no, there's no rhyme or reason to it that I can figure out. All I know is that I just need to show up X amount of days and it'll eventually start happening. And do you play music? Yeah, I listen to, I listen to a lot of music. When is I there play. certain types of music though, where you're like, oh, I just need to put that track on again. That, <laughs> do you ever do that? Yeah. I, so I'm a, I'm an upbeat music guy. I like, uh, I like a lot of like intense electronic music. I like heavy metal. And it kind of, it gets me into a flow a little bit easier. And, mm. and if I do find one track that I'm like really like ripping, you yeah. know, I'll like put that track on repeat for an hour or two. So yeah, music, music, very helpful. Yeah. There's, I had on the, this podcast, I had this DJ who I love. He, he, honestly, he must've thought I was a little weird because I made videos dancing to his song. Like I hit up his manager, right. And, and his name's Lane eight. And he has this song called Sunday Song. Yeah. And during the pandemic, Sunday Song, it was like my, it was like I had a loving relationship with that where I was just creating all the time. But then when I had him on the podcast, I kind of was like, I don't know, am I creeping this dude out? Because <laughs> like, like, like his affect was such that like I was like, OK, you know, like but he, he's a cool dude. But that that for me was uh, definitely a song of the summer. What, what song right now are you like, if you're a few like artist wise, are you kind of loving to turn on? We're recording this right after Eddie Van Halen died. Mm. Um, so I've been on this, I, I hadn't listened to Van Halen in like 15 years. So I I'm on this big Van Halen rabbit hole and I'm like, read actually, actually, you know, when I was young, I didn't like the Sammy Hagar stuff. And like, now that I'm in my thirties, I'm like, this is actually really good. You know, it's like, yeah, it was like, this is how, you know, you're old as you start liking Sammy Hagar more than David. Um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 that, and when I, when I do electronic music, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, Anjuna beats, um, Anjuna beats. So they're actually like, how do you spell that? A N J. Oh yeah. They got all those tracks on Spotify, all the mixes. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Those are great. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, so like James Grant, Jody Wisternoff, I think Lane 8's on a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah, they're phenomenal. 
Let me ask you, did you, when you were in high school did and you were in English class, did you get good grades? No, no. <laughs> like, did you, did you write kind of in the same style, but it was just not graded well or? You know, it took me a long time to figure, first of all, it took me a long time to figure out I was a good writer. Um, and then second, it took me a long time to figure out that the reason I got bad grades in school was because I, I didn't follow the assignment. Um, mm. I, I was coloring outside the box, so to speak. And, um, and that's what I got knocked for. But, you know, being 15 or whatever, I was just like, oh, I suck at English. I got guess it. You just weren't like, uh, it wasn't like, when did you realize you were a good writer? Like, what was the moment? So I initially, I started blogging in 2008 and initially the, you know, so way back in the day, back in 2008, if you, if you were trying to start an internet business or get traffic or whatever, you know, Facebook and Twitter, it wasn't what it is now. So the way you got traffic, uh, was blogging because Google's algorithm really liked blogs. So I was trying to start e-commerce businesses. Um, and, and doing like affiliate marketing and like selling teeth whiteners and shit. And, um, teeth pointers, teeth whiteners. Oh, teeth whiteners. Yeah. Really exciting stuff. And, um, and the way you would market a website or get traffic to your website back then was create a blog and like write a bunch of little articles. And it turned out I was really good at that. And, and I had w one of my sites was, uh, it was for like, uh, dating advice. And, um, and that blog, it started to develop a readership. And I'd say by the time I was, by like 2011, 2010, 2011, um, I realized that I should just give up the whole e-commerce thing and just, and just blog. And I think that was kind of the moment where I realized that, you know, and people started emailing me saying, you should write a book. I would totally buy your book. Uh, you know, it, you're the only blogger I read every day, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Really? Me? Holy crap. All right. How did you monetize a blog? So back in those days, you would, you would do like eBooks, like little 50 page PDFs. Um, so you'd come up with a bunch of little topics, sell these PDFs for like $5.99 or $9.99. Um, you know, make, sell a few hundred of those each month and it's enough to pay your rent, whatnot. Got it. Do you ever have interest in working with people one-on-one? -on -one? in a like coaching sense or do you rather not be in that flow? So I, I worked with people one-on-one -on -one for about five years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Most people don't actually. Um, I stopped in, I actually stopped right around the time I got my book deal. Um, I was like, got a book deal. Don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was um i liked it i didn't love it i love the writing i love the writing process i love the you know everything about it um i liked coaching i, I didn't love it when, and, when, let me ask you this sorry to jump in but when you were coaching people right so i've been doing it forever right sure. so i'm just curious because it really it's like when you're not in your art of it but you're doing it was there yeah. any moment with certain clients where you were just like <laughs> what the hell am I doing and why am I doing this? Come on. Everybody's got those clients. <laughs> I know you know that. That's why you're asking. Yeah, no, I'm just curious. Can you share anything that's not? 
you know, I, I can't think of, I, I, I vaguely remember a couple of clients that just, you know, it was like banging my head against the wall. Um, I can't remember anything specific that they used to say or do, but, but, you know, the thing about coaching is it's, you know, the, there's a, one of, one of my big epiphanies back when I used to coach was somebody told me like a, a, a much more experienced coach than I was. He told me, he's like, you know, you can fire your clients. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to me, it was like head explode. Oh my God. You know, cause it's just some people, it took me a long time to figure out that, that, uh, you know, sometimes there's just not chemistry. It's just, you and them that you see the world differently. It's not the right fit, whatever that's, and that's it's nobody's fault. It's fine. Um, but sometimes too, I, I found that people sought out a coach as kind of another form of avoidance. You know, mm. it was, it was a way for them to tell themselves like, well, I'm talking to this guy an hour every week and he's telling me what to do. And so it kind of alleviated that responsibility for them actually changing or, or, taking on new behaviors, you know, in their mind. Um, and those were the worst clients because it's, they're not coming to you for help. They're coming to you for validation. Mm. And, and I think it was, it was right around the time I, I kind of figured that out and started weeding those clients out of, of my, my, my practice that the, the blog took off, the book deal came and I was like, you know, I, I don't have to do this. Um, so I, I'm just going to let it go. And what was your, st- like, what was the, when you feel like the type of person though, because anyone who does something for five years has to have certain arena where like, they yeah. were like, oh yeah, I'm because I'm sure you made some magic happen with people too. <laughs> so it's like, it's not all, of course. you know, um, but where, what type of person do you feel like when you were like, yeah, like this type of person is right up my alley and yeah, yeah. my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, so my wheelhouse was the, I would, I would say it was, it was the overachieving single 30 year old male. Um, so basically it was usually guys who, you know, they were nerds in school, um, very smart, very successful. You know, they went to law school or medical school or whatever, like they, they worked their asses off. And suddenly they wake up one day and they're 30 and they've got all these degrees and they're making a bunch of money. And they're like, wait, I don't have a life, (laughs) you know, like I don't have a life. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't like have any hobbies. I don't have many friends. Like I'm, what am I doing wrong? Mm. You know, um, those were kind of like my bread and butter guys. And, and I really enjoyed those guys because they knew how to, how to push themselves and, and put the work in They you know, they, they just needed, they just needed somebody to kind of like draw the map for them. They needed you know? someone to help them guide them towards what they wanted. Cause they were just, their actions weren't lining up with what they actually wanted. Maybe. Exactly. Exactly. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys, uh, you got to go to his website, markmanson.net. You got to buy all the fuck books. <laughs> and he also had a book called models. Was it right? Yeah. Uh, back in the day, that was your first, you know, kind of dance in the publishing world, right? It was self-published. So, self-published. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's about uh, women and dating and... It's it's called Models Attract Women Through Honesty. And um, it was written because, you know, and this is why the 30-year-old overachiever guys tend to be my wheelhouse because that's how they found me. Um, 
but it, it's at the time, most of the men's dating advice out there was very sleazy and manipulative and like pickup lines and stuff like that. And so I thought the world needed, I thought the men of the world and the women of the world deserved a book <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't sleazy. That gave like emotionally healthy advice to men of like how to go about their dating lives. Yeah. Cause by the way, it's so true that so many men start off not being totally honest and then they end up in a spot where they feel like they can't say what they really mean or, or feel. And then all of a sudden they're feeling inauthentic and friction happens and whatever. So this just is a book that really helps people understand the necessity of just being honest in a relationship. Right. Absolutely. And um, so everyone check out markmanson.net. It's been a total pleasure having you on Always Evolving. And uh, you are inspiring to me. The word I used it, inspiring. <laughs> Slightly jealous because he's crushed it in this world. But, uh, but thanks, man, for coming on, Mark. I appreciate it, man. It was, it was fun. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Always Evolving and make sure to join my free empowerment group every Tuesday, 5 p.m. Pacific time. You just go to coachmikebear.com, add your email, and you will be part of a very cool community of people. It's free, not upselling, upcharging, anything like that. Yeah, I'd appreciate it if you could subscribe to this podcast and also rate it. It's really hard to get some of you guys to rate this podcast, uh, and I'd really appreciate it. It helps with the algorithm so that this thing pops up more on Apple. So that's my request to you all that are listening. But regardless, thank you, and remember to keep it magical. Bye. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnoses, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.